the Lord of praise. We are being resurrected into newness of life through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your resurrection power in our lives. Yeah, that's what that song describes. It's that work of us putting off the old man and being raised in newness of life to walk in the new man. We call it sanctification, right? Where our old ways are being set aside and we're being transformed into the image of Christ. How many are in that process? Anybody here? I know you haven't achieved it yet, but you're in the process of being resurrected into newness of life like Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. It's good to see everybody this morning. How many are glad to be in the house of God today? Yes. Amen. So if you're new to our church, my name's Greg Johnson. I have the privilege of serving here as lead pastor, and you are welcome. If you're joining us at Mission Church Online, God bless you. It's good to have you with us as well. Amen. All right, go ahead. You can be seated. Take your Bibles, and we're going to go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. We're continuing our series this morning, and uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. Amen. It's good to be back. So my wife and I, we were away this past week. Um, we went down to uh, Georgia to visit my son, uh, my son Wesley, and uh, his wife Danielle. He is uh, stationed there at uh, Fort Stewart. He's a staff sergeant. So we were down there visiting with them and our grandchildren. We have two of the most cutest grandkids you have ever seen. And uh, it was great to, uh, to uh, reconnect. You don't realize how much you actually miss them until you go visit and then leave. And then you realize, right, how much, how, mu how many know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Right? So absolutely. But you try to stay connected uh, through FaceTime and, and through, you know, phone calls, but that's not real connection, right? You try to stay close, but, but you're, not, you're not close enough. How many know what I'm talking about? Close, but not, you're not close enough, right? And, you know, I got to thinking about that while we were away, and, um, and I think this is where some people are in their walk with God. Uh, we try to do some things that we think make us close to God, but in reality, we're not close enough. And that's really what this story is about here in Acts chapter 10. This man we're about to meet, Cornelius, he was close to God, but not close enough. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people. And he prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter, the Apostle Peter. He is lodging with another man named Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. So this is an amazing account where Cornelius, this 
this centurion, this soldier, receives a visitation from an angel, and the angel tells him to send some guys over to Joppa to get a hold of the apostle Peter and to bring Peter to his home because Peter has some things that Cornelius needs to hear. And so while this is happening, about 30 miles away, Peter, the apostle Peter, is having a vision. Look at verse 11. It says that Peter saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So a little historical context here to explain what's, what's happening. Uh, the Israelites, in other words, that the race to which Peter belonged, the Israelites, the Jewish nation, was a race that was set apart by God to glorify Him on earth. The Jews were given the laws of God through Moses, including the Ten Commandments, uh, the rites of temple worship, animal sacrifices, numerous civic and ceremonial laws. And by, by observing these laws and these rituals, they would be distinguished as God's special people on the earth. And by keeping these laws, God would account them as righteous. How many are enjoying that little low hum there? So they would keep these laws. Is that me? Is that my mic? Hello? Okay, good. So by keeping these laws, as I said, God would account the Jews as being righteous before Him. Now among these laws were certain dietary requirements that limited certain types of food and meats that the Jews could eat. Today, we refer to them as kosher foods. And when God gave this vision to Peter, He was showing Peter that because our righteousness is now achieved through Jesus' death on the cross, there was no longer a need to achieve righteousness through Mosaic laws, including kosher laws. But the implication is greater than this. The removing of these dietary laws, which were given to the Jews to distinguish them and set them apart from all other races, meant that the Jews were no longer God's set-apart special people. That in effect, 
just as all animals can now be eaten, all people can be accepted by God through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen. An incredible transformation, a credible paradigm shift has occurred. And God is showing them that no longer do the laws make the Jews special. No longer do eating kosher food. He's saying, you can eat any food now. How many are glad for that? Amen. How many like pulled pork sandwiches? Anybody here? You, know, you like some ham, some bacon maybe, right? Okay. So not only can we eat all kinds of food and meat, he's saying now all people can be accepted by God because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Hallelujah. And this is where Peter is introduced to a man by the name of Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was not a Jew. He was a Roman. He was an Italian man. In fact, he was a centurion, which meant that he was a Roman officer that oversaw about a hundred soldiers. And because Cornelius was not a Jew, he did not follow a kosher diet. He did not follow any of the Mosaic laws or any of the ceremonial rites that would have set him apart like the Jews were set apart. But the Bible says, even though he wasn't a Jew, that he was a devout man, that he was a man who was sincere in his belief of God. In fact, that he feared God, and that he did many good works. But here's the thing about Cornelius. As devout as he was, as good a man as he was, as sincere as he was, his sincerity was not enough. In other words, Cornelius, even though he was a good man, he needed to understand the cross and he needed to understand who Jesus Christ was. Hallelujah. So God sent an angel to Cornelius to tell him, Cornelius, even though you're a good man, there's some things that you need to do in your life because as good as you are, you're not good enough. So he said, I want you to send some men to Joppa, find the apostle Peter, invite the apostle Peter to your house, and and, and Peter will explain to you what is yet lacking in your life. Amen. Now, there's something that we need to understand about Cornelius. If any of us saw Cornelius and we saw how devout he was and how much he feared God and how sincere he was and all the good works that he did, we would have looked at this man and we would have thought, wow, this is a good man. Wow, this is, a, this is an impressive man. What a moral person this is. In fact, we might have even have thought, this man, Cornelius, man, he is a good Christian man. I mean, in today's terms, he's that guy who would have had the high morals. He's that guy who would have been, you know, an honest person. He didn't lie. He didn't cheat. He didn't steal. He probably observed all of, of the laws, probably would even go to church, probably would even be considered a very, you know, religious person, a devout person. Maybe he served in his church as, as an usher or even a deacon, probably didn't get drunk, probably didn't use porn, probably didn't flirt with the ladies. Cornelius, in our standards today, would be what we would call a good man. 
a good man. But as good as he was, as moral and as upstanding as he was, Cornelius's faith was not complete. Cornelius needed to be saved. Let me say that again. As good as he was, as sincere and as devout and as religious as he was, he was still lacking something in his life. Cornelius did not know Jesus Christ. And that's why the angel said to him, Cornelius, you need to get a hold of Peter, and you need to get Peter to come to your house. And when Peter comes to your house, Peter is going to tell you what you must do. Hallelujah. Cornelius was close, but he was not close enough. You know, some of the hardest people to win to the Lord, that is to say, some of the hardest people to explain the need for Jesus Christ and to get them to see that they need Jesus Christ are good people. Some of the hardest people to reach are good, moral, upstanding people. It's true. Not like the drug addict, you know, or the, or the guy in prison. You tell that person that they're sinners and that they need Jesus, and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. I've made a mess of my life. I've, I've ruined my life. What must I do to be saved? Right? But tell a good man or a good woman that they need Jesus, and they'll say to you, well, I'm not that bad. Why do I need to be saved? I'm not a sinner, right? I've never committed any crimes. I've never hurt anybody. In fact, I go to church. In fact, I, I give offerings. In fact, I've gone to church. I've been religious all my life. I serve in the community. I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. I work hard. I'm honest. I don't need anything in my life. I'm a good person. And because these good people, and there are many good people even here today. In fact, there might be some Corneliuses among us today who have lived their lives fearing God, have been very devout, very sincere, very religious. But because they focus on all of the good things that they do, they fail to see one all-important truth. And that truth is simply this, that we are all sinners. As good as we may be, as religious, sincere, devout, and even fearing God, we are all sinners. The guy in prison, the, 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 the addict in detox, the pastor who preaches, the good man who loves his family, we are all sinners. Every one of us. We have all sinned. What is sin? Sin is basically the breaking of of God's laws. You might say, well, I haven't broken any of God's laws. How many are familiar with something called the Ten Commandments? Amen? Remember those? We don't hear about those too much today, do we? Right? They're more like the Ten Suggestions, right? If you feel like it, you can kind of, you know. But, you know, if you've ever told a lie, you've broken God's laws. Right? If you've ever taken something that didn't belong to you, you've broken God's laws. If you've ever lusted in your heart, you've broken God's laws. If you've ever coveted something, wanted something that, that your neighbor had, you were jealous of something, you've broken God's laws. 
And on and on and on the list goes. We are all sinners, right? And, and, and because we are sinners, we need to understand something about Jesus Christ. That our good works and our religious deeds cannot compensate for. We need, listen, you may be, listen, Cornelius, if you're here today, you may be a good man. You may be religious and you may be devout, but if you don't have Jesus in your life, you need to be saved. Saved from what? What do I need to be saved from? You need to be saved from the wrath of God. The wrath of God. The Bible tells us that God is just, and because God is just, He must judge our sins. It doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter how how religious we are, right? We must do something about our sins. And this is the part that Cornelius did not understand. This was the missing piece in his life. He thought all he needed to be was a good person right? That's what he thought. And it says that he feared God, gave money to the poor, said his prayers. He understood the being good part. What he didn't understand was the being guilty part. He was close, but not close enough. And this is why he needed to hear from Peter, because Peter was going to explain to him something called the gospel. Everybody say gospel. The gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is simply this, that Jesus Christ, God the Son, went to the cross. And on that cross, He was being punished, not for His sin. He was perfect. He was being punished for my sin and your sin. On the cross, the Bible says, the Lord, God the Father, laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He took the punishment that we deserved. He died the death that we should have died because of the sin that we all have. And He rose from the dead on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now offers to us the gift of eternal life, which means sins forgiven. It's not enough to be a good person. That's what Cornelius teaches. Listen, if it had been enough that Cornelius was a good man and he was a good man, amen? If it had been enough, then the angel would have simply said, well done, Cornelius, just keep doing what you're doing and you'll be fine. That's not what the angel said. The angel said, yeah, Cornelius, you're a good man, but it's not enough. There's something yet you need to hear, something you need to understand, something you need to receive into your life. You need to have Peter come and give you the gospel because, Cornelius, you need Jesus in your life. You need Jesus in your life. So back to Peter here. Here he is having this vision. And in verse 19, it says that while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, are you getting this? 
as good as he is, he still needs to hear the gospel. He needs to hear about Jesus. And then verse 23, he invited them in and lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Him. So fast forward in the story, Peter goes to Caesarea, he goes to the home of Cornelius, and then it says there in verse 24 that Cornelius was waiting for him. That in fact Cornelius had called together a bunch of his relatives and his friends, and the house was full of people when Peter arrives. And then Cornelius explains to Peter how he was fasting and praying and he recounts the, 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 the visitation of the angel and how he was told to send for Peter because as good as he is and as devout as he is, there's something missing in his life. And in verse 33, he says, So I sent to you immediately and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we're all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. And when Peter hears this, and when he sees all of these non-Jews, all of these Gentiles in the room, a room full of, of Romans, full of Italians, full of probably some Greeks, people from other nations who are friends of Cornelius, this house full of non-Jews, in Peter's mind, all of the dots start to connect. He starts to get it. It starts to make sense. The vision that he had about eating non-kosher foods, the visitation Cornelius had from the angel, the leading of the Holy Spirit upon Peter to go to this home of the Gentiles to preach the gospel, it all started to make sense. And in verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In other words, God shows no favoritism. In other words, God has no favorites, not even the Jews anymore. But in every nation, come on, say every nation. In every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And then down to verse 43, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Hallelujah. Peter gets it. He gets it. He understands now that what Jesus did on the cross was not just for the Jews, but that salvation is for every man, every woman, every person, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. That all of the world can be saved. I imagine that as Peter is there, he's recalling in his mind how Jesus himself Jesus himself indicated that the gospel would be for the Gentiles. Peter is remembering the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was healed by Jesus. He's remembering the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus ministered to. He's remembering the centurion whose son was healed when he was sick. He's remembering these other statements that Jesus made. The one that said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and how Jesus said to the apostles, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and make disciples of 
all the nations. Hallelujah. It was as though in that moment Peter's eyes were opened. The lights were turned on. The curtains were, were pulled back. And he realized that Jesus is the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. Not just the Jews, but whosoever will may come. Hallelujah. Amen. That no matter how far someone may seem to be from God, how far away from Israel, how far away from Jerusalem, that no one is too far from saving. Whether Jew, whether Greek, whether Roman, whoever. Amen? Listen, this didn't just blow his mind theologically. This was a total cultural shift for Peter. Because we need to realize that the Jews, because they were set apart to God, because they were the only ones who received the law, right, and the temple, and the means to worship God, they saw themselves as God's special people. Which means that they actually, many of them, came to believe themselves to be morally superior than all the other races. Because they alone had the the laws of God. And they believed, they kind of looked down on the Gentiles. They believed that Gentiles were, were, were morally inferior, that they were unclean, that they were rejected by God. Just to talk to a Gentile, let alone go into the home of a Gentile, like Cornelius, was a defilement, an act of defilement to the Jew. And let's be clear, who are the Gentiles? <laughs> We are the Gentiles. Everyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. That's me, an English, European, Scandinavian white guy. I'm a Gentile, right? That's all you Italians. That's all you Irish. That's all you Germans. That's all the Africans, the Jamaicans, the South Americans. That's every person, every tribe, every, every tongue, every nation for God so loved the world. Hallelujah. And God revealed to Peter that the blood of Jesus saves anyone, no matter what their race, no matter what their creed. Amen. Hallelujah. This was the lesson for Peter, but it's also a lesson for us. Because listen, it's not just an ethnic thing. It's a sin It's a brokenness thing. In other words, no matter how far your sin has taken you from God, He wants you saved. Not just talking geographically here. Not just talking about someone who lives on the other side of the world from Israel. I'm talking about someone who lives on the other side of morality from God. That no soul is beyond God's reach. That no soul is too far from saving, not just ethnically, no matter who you are, no matter how far from God you are, God wants you saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Be reminded of this the next time you look at that guy at work and you think that guy would never come to Jesus. Be reminded of this. I remember I had to learn that lesson. I was working one time in a place, and, um, and I, had, I had witnessed to almost every one of my coworkers and invited them to church and told them about Jesus, except for one guy. Everybody say one guy. 
Yeah, the one guy, you know who I'm talking about. His name was Frank, and, you know, he was, he was into drugs, he was into drinking, you know, he was into all kinds of perversion, the way that he talked, he had a vulgar mouth. I mean, he was just the one guy that you would think, you know, he would never want to hear the gospel, and so I'd never witnessed to him. I never shared Jesus with him, I never invited him to church. You know, one day while I was working, I was working by myself on the job, and, and this guy Frank came up to me, and he said, Greg, um, can I talk to you for a moment? And I said, sure, what's up, Frank? He said, I'm wondering if, 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 if I could talk to you about your relationship with God. <laughs> can you imagine that? Listen, I witnessed to practically everyone on that job. None of them came to Christ. None of them came to church. That guy... Come on, everybody say that guy. That guy. The one guy who I thought was so far from God, the Lord showed me like he had to show Peter, nobody is too far from saving. And that in fact, this guy was in a journey. He was on a, in a process with God like Cornelius. God was working behind the scenes on him, dealing with him, speaking to him, ministering to him, preparing him for salvation. And you know what's interesting? That when the angel came to Cornelius, the angel didn't preach the gospel. Did you notice that? Why didn't the angel just say, I want you to listen up as I tell you about Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you? The angel didn't do that. What did the angel do? The angel said, you've got to send for Peter and Peter's going to witness to you. What does that tell us? That tells us that God is working supernaturally. That God may be visiting people around you, people that seem lost and so far from God. He may be even sending angels to them and, and waking them up in the middle of the night, but it's not enough. It's not enough because they need someone who's going to come alongside of them and who's going to love them and care for them and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what? You and I, we are that someone. We're the Peter that the Holy Spirit is saying, there's a Cornelius that you've got to talk to. Amen? Now, you can pray for angels to show up and convict them, and, and you can do that, and, and the angels might do that, but you know what? The angels aren't going to preach the gospel. Hello? The angels aren't going to preach the gospel. All right, I got off track here. I didn't mean to say that. was just from the Holy Ghost for you right there, okay? So, amen. Hallelujah. So you might be here today. And you might be feeling like you are that person who was so distance, distant from God. You might be here today and you might feel like, yeah, you're in that spot where you feel guilty, you feel embarrassed, you feel ashamed. That's something you have done, something you have said. And you're very much aware of the fact that you are a sinner like all of us. You're just very much aware that you are a sinner you need to know that as guilty and as ashamed as you may feel right now for your sin, no one is too far from being saved. No one is too far. That God loves you, that he sees you, that he cares about you, and that he wants to bring you into salvation. Hallelujah. Amen? He wants to bring you. He's inviting you into salvation. Amen. He's inviting you just as you just as you are. Don't say, well, I'm going to clean myself up first before I come to God. No, that's, that's like saying I'm going to clean myself up before I take a shower. You don't clean yourself up before you... You just jump right in and let, it, let the cleaning do its work. Amen? 
right? Don't clean. You just come to him as you are. He invite, he's offering that invitation to you as you are. And he wants you to step in to the gift of salvation and allow him to do the work of cleaning you up and fixing your mess and restoring joy to your life. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Now, you might be here today and you might be a little different. You may not be feeling very far away from God. In fact, maybe you feel more like Cornelius. You fear God. You believe in God. You're religious. You've been raised in certain religion. You know, you know all of the doctrines, right? In fact, maybe you give money. Maybe you do good works, right? The problem with Cornelius is that he was close, but not close enough. You see, Cornelius was trusting in his own good works to save him. He was thinking, well, I'm good enough the way that I am. And that's the problem with many of the Corneliuses that are among us today. They're trusting in their own good works to save them. Let me ask you a question. If you were to die today, God forbid, if you were to die today and stand before God, and God were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would your response be? For many people, like Cornelius, they'd say, well, you know, I've been a good person. I've tried, I'm not perfect, but, you know, I've tried to live a good life. I've tried to keep the Ten Commandments. You know, I've been a good father, been a good husband, you know, been honest, never, you know, committed any, any crimes or anything like that. Notice, if that's your answer, who you're trusting in there. You're trusting in yourself. You're trusting in all of your good works and everything that you've done for yourself right? That you're good enough the way you are to get into heaven. But understand this, a holy God cannot accept good enough. A perfect God cannot accept good enough. Look at it, look at it like this. If God required 100% righteousness, then what percentage do you have? 50%? Sixty-five, maybe? You still got more than that guy. <laughs> you know, he's, he's probably at 65. Maybe I'm at 75, 90%. 10% is unrighteous. Maybe just 10% of your life struggles, you know, with anger, struggles with jealousy, struggles with lust. Just 10% of you like that, right? But here's what we need to understand is that God, a perfect God, a holy God, a just God, cannot accept any sin in his presence. That's why Jesus Christ went to the cross. Hallelujah. That's why Cornelius needed Jesus. I don't know, maybe Cornelius was at 98%, but that 2% of unrighteousness would keep him out of heaven. Why? Because God is perfect and God is just. And he cannot accept sin in his presence. It doesn't matter how good a person is. Think of it like this. Let's say somebody broke into your house, robbed your house, and stole stuff from your house, damaged your house. And let's say that person was caught and arrested and stood before a judge. And while that person is standing before the judge, the person says, you know what, judge, I know I did you know, that, that one bad thing, but you know what, I'm really not a bad person. I've done a lot of good things. I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. You know, I give money to the poor. I go to church. Look at all these good things that I did. Do you think that a just judge would let him go because of the good things that he did? 
No, he couldn't. If he did that, where would be justice? I mean, here, you're standing there as the plaintiff saying, wait a minute, this guy broke into my house. Wait a minute, this guy robbed me, and you're going to let him go because he goes to church? No, a just judge would not be concerned about all of the good things that a person's done. A just judge would be concerned about what? The crime that was committed. And if our earthly judges must be that concerned about crimes, and they must mete out justice for the crimes of this earth, how much more must a perfect, holy, just God, a just judge, mete out punishment on those who sin against His laws? None of us is good enough to get into heaven on our own merit. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. How many? All. All. That means no one here is exempt. Okay? Even if Cornelius were sitting here today, Cornelius would not be exempt. That's why the angel said, Cornelius, you got to hear from Peter. Because there's something you must do in your life. And what is it, Cornelius, that you must do? You must realize that Jesus Christ went to the cross. And on the cross, your sins were laid on Jesus. And he suffered where you should have suffered and died where you should have died. But he took your sins and died in your place. Hallelujah. This is what's missing in the lives of so many good people. My friend, you may be good, you may be devout, you may be religious, but if you're trusting in your good works to get you into heaven, you might be close, but you're not close enough. You're not close enough. Romans 6.23, let me close with this as the worship team comes. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everybody say good news. Aren't you grateful for the good news? Amen. That you don't have to rely on your good works. Because guess what? No matter how good you are, there's always something in your life that's messed up. How many know what I'm talking about? Yes? And as soon as you get that area fixed and met, okay, I got my anger under control or I, you know, I, I got my greed under control. As soon as you get that under control, what happens? Something else over here falls out of place. I mean, we, we can never get to that level of perfection and holiness that God requires. But Jesus, everybody say, but Jesus. Jesus went to the cross, took our sins and died in our place, and now offers to us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Hallelujah. It's a gift, but it's a gift that must be accepted. Let's stand together. It's a gift that must be accepted. That's what Cornelius had to realize. There's a gift, Cornelius, that God has for you. His name is Jesus. You have to accept it. You're here today. You've never received Jesus Christ into your life. You've never accepted the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And my friend, today is your day. This is your moment right now. God loves you. God cares for you. And he wants you to be prepared for that moment when you'll stand before him. And he says, why should I let you into my heaven? Your answer should not be, well, I've been a good person. And he'll say, well, yeah, but you've also been a rotten person. No. Your answer will be, 
The only reason you should let me into heaven is because Jesus Christ carried all of my sins to the cross. And I'm trusting in what he did for me. That's it. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for for the cross. We thank you for the gospel. That, Lord, we don't need to rely on our own good works, God. It's not about us, Lord. It's about Jesus. And, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here, I pray, God, anyone, I pray, God, for the Cornelius that is here today who's trusting in his own good works, the fact that he was born a certain religious way and has been religious all his life, but doesn't have Jesus. Lord, I pray for that Cornelius. I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal the love of God right now, that Cornelius needs Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Convict, convince, show us the love of God. Hallelujah. So if you're here today, and you've never received Christ into your life, I want to lead you in a prayer. And this is a prayer just to accept the invitation that God offers to come to Him. It's just a step. It's, the first, it's accepting an invitation. How many have ever accepted an invitation? Okay. How many know it's one thing to accept an invitation, it's another thing to act on that invitation. you got to show up, right? So you could pray the prayer, you can accept the invitation, but then beyond that, now you've got to show up. You've got to live the life of a Christ follower. Amen? Which means trusting in the full work of Christ on the cross, which means repenting from sin, which means submission to the will of God in your life. So we're going to lead you in a prayer right now to accept the invitation, and then you're going to need to take the next step. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, let's all pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus Christ, God the Son, died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that He rose on the third day. And I believe that He offers me eternal life through the forgiveness of sins. I receive that gift. I receive Jesus Christ into my life. Father, save my soul and cleanse me from sin and help me to live for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for your faithfulness, God. Amen. We're going to dismiss the service. I know some of us have got to get your kids. But I want to invite you, if you want to just linger and worship the Lord, you're welcome to do that. If you want to come forward for prayer, if you have a need in your life, whatever it may be, we would love to pray with you. So, Father, we thank you for this time today. As we go, we pray your blessing on each one, Lord. And, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to be Peters to share the gospel with the Corneliuses in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you you need to go, you can go. If you want to linger, worship, you're welcome to do so. If you need prayer, you can come up and get prayer for it. God bless you.